Hi, I'm Megan Brown, teacher and EdTech enthusiast. Thanks for joining me on this journey to learn and share meaningful ways to integrate technology into everyday lessons. So, you want to teach with technology? Let's get started. Hello, fellow educators. Welcome to today's episode 10 and the final episode of season one. So you want to engage students online. So today we're going to look at how we can keep students engaged in online lessons from start to finish. In addition, we will discuss how to keep students excited to learn if you're in an asynchronous environment so you don't have online meetings. As we go, I really want you to think about what you're doing right now to engage your students and think about what strategies that you would like to incorporate in your online classroom. We also have a really special guest in this episode I was so excited to talk to. So without any further ado, let's get right into it. My name is Tracy Keough, and I am a technology integration specialist or a technology coach, and I work with teachers from kindergarten all the way up to eighth grade, and then occasionally um, the high school teachers and the online academy teachers as well. Today's podcast is all about engaging students online. So I thought we could talk about first, what do we mean by engagement? What does that look like? Because I know when I picture engagement, I think of, you know, my own classroom where students are actively engaged in the lesson, they're talking to each other and asking questions, but that's really not what it looks like online, right? Right, yeah, online it's definitely different with how our students are engaging with each other, how they're engaging with us as the teacher um, or the facilitator of the course. So trying to figure out how do we blend what they're used to doing in the traditional classroom, that brick and mortar setting for engagement, and work that into our virtual environments now where we're at with school. So trying to find out how to get our students to still be talking to each other, still be, you know, putting in that effort towards work and showing us their knowledge and understanding in different ways versus just, you know, what we traditionally think about what we're used to of turn and talk to your partner, um, raise your hand and tell me what you think, kind of those things. Right. So I thought a good place to start might be the beginning of a lesson. So in person, I know to get students engaged, um, when I taught math, I would have them do Prodigy for Bell Work because it got them excited to come to class um, because they got to play a game at the beginning. Um, Or people will do Bell Work, um, a math talk, different activities to get students engaged and thinking right away. So what do you think are some good strategies teachers can use online to right away at the beginning of a lesson get students thinking and engaged? Well, I would definitely say something like, you know, Prodigy is a great way or using some a tool similar to like Google Jamboard, um, which is kind of that online whiteboard feature where they can post different things and answer a question. One of my favorite games to play with my students when I taught second grade and then again when I taught in a fifth through eighth grade online academy um, was I always played my favorite no. So I would put a question on like a Google slide or up on a discussion board when we use Schoology and put up the problem and it would show the wrong answer or it would show steps that were wrong. 
and then have my students kind of go in there and figure out why it's wrong. They never know whose problem it was, but they had to figure out why that was wrong and really get them thinking outside that box to figure out what happened in that problem. And it was a review problem to get them going through that step. Um, I always liked, like you said, to play games to get them really thinking. I did a lot of teams virtually and in person. So, you know, team one, tell me your thoughts and you get points for talking or points for sharing your thoughts and really kind of challenge them to think outside the box, not just play the traditional game. Yeah, another thing that I've done at the start of meetings is now that Google has that poll option, I'll have just a few different poll questions. Some will be like related to content or related to them as students. And some are just fun questions to get them um, excited and open to having conversations. So I think that's been pretty helpful too. Absolutely. Like some virtual icebreakers where you can kind of just get them to loosen up um, in a virtual space and kind of show that we're all in this together. Things like... Um, a game that I've played is, uh, it's like a take on the old guess who board game where you have to like put up a picture, put up clues and have them figure out like what, who are these clues talking about? And it could be someone in class, it could be a teacher on campus, it could be somebody you're reading about, but just to kind of give them something fun to focus on. Um, and you mentioned virtual icebreakers. Can you maybe give some more examples of what some of those could look like? Absolutely. Um, so some some other virtual icebreakers that you can do and kind of look towards with your students are definitely that guess who game. Um, one of my favorites that was created was introduce your selfie and it was creating on Google Slides and every student had their own slide in that slide deck and then they got to introduce themselves through pictures. Um, there wasn't a lot of words so typing wasn't an issue but they got to pull up pictures that really introduced who they were. So one about themselves, it had to be a picture of who they were and then a couple pictures that represented things that they liked. So not overly done, um, but some some smaller things to to show who they were. And they're all into selfies right now and getting that social media piece. Um, There's some great slide decks that are available through Ditch That Textbook, where he's already created like TikTok slides that you can make copies of that students can go in. And they're not actually using TikTok, but they're using a safe site that you can use at school and create things that look like those. Um, So those are always fun because those are things that they're really into right now is TikTok and Instagram and different pieces like that where they feel like, you know, they're doing something really cool. So those are always fun. So we know that we're trying to get them engaged with their lessons. So maybe having them find things around the house if it's a math lesson. Okay, we're looking at cubes or three-dimensional shapes. Go look, find three things around your house that are represent a cube and have them bring them back and if you don't want to go that route you can also build the very popular virtual classroom right now where you hide those different things around that virtual classroom and have students work through them. I love that idea of having students find things around their house though because if you do that at the beginning of a lesson it's really going to encourage students to turn their cameras on turn their microphones on, which is something that without prompting or without really having a reason, I've noticed a lot of our students don't necessarily want to do. Right. Yeah. Well, I like that it ties back to real world situations. Like, yes. I know it, I was never a great math student, so I was always that kid that was like, I'm never going to use this in the real world. But if you can tie it back to things that they see every day, that comment and that phrase is going to eventually fade away because they can see it live in front of them from their own house. 
So now that we've looked at how we can start a lesson, what are some things that we can do during a lesson to make sure students are active in their learning? Because this is so easy to see when we're in the classroom. You can see if students are completing their activity. You can hear them talking to their peers. But that's that's a lot harder to do um, when they're online because if their cameras are off, if their mics are off, it's really hard to tell if they're actually at their computer, um, let alone listening to the lesson. So what are some strategies you recommend? So yeah, that's definitely a new challenge that we're all facing is how to keep our students engaged during the lesson because we know that they could be checking their phones or coloring or doing different things. And like you said, most are not turning on their cameras for whatever reason, given their backgrounds at home, um, the settings that they're in. So things like Padlet are a great way to keep your students engaged during the lesson where you can have those quick stop and reflect moments along the way in your lesson where they can go on and add a quick comment about what they remember um, or just quickly reflect on what you've been talking about. I heard a great idea today um, from another teacher and she called it the muddiest point. So she was stopping and reflecting throughout the lesson with her students, and all they had to do was go into the Padlet, or if they're using Schoology or a different LMS, go into the discussion board, and she had them write down their muddiest point. So the thing that confused them the most up to that point of the lesson, so that she could go back and kind of cycle through what was confusing people um, to make sure that they were all engaged. Using other tools like Nearpod to get them engaged where you're driving the lesson, but it still has interactive features built into it so that they're engaged in the lesson doing a poll or a drawing tool or a matching activity are great ways to keep them focused where they don't have to have their camera on or their microphone on, but you can see the work that they're producing during that live lesson. Yeah, I love using Nearpod. So I was looking through Nearpod today and there were a few options that you can add that I wasn't so sure about. So I was actually um, interested to know if you had any experience with these. Have you used that field trip option? I have looked into the field trip option. Um, It's like a virtual field trip. You can push out to your students to take a trip virtually, where if you're reading a story about Mount Everest, you could actually send them to Mount Everest to take a walk around the area and get to know it in a space where most of us are not going to travel to Mount Everest um, and really get them to understand things in a different light and see the space that they're reading about or learning about in social studies. And so that's a great way to kind of, again, engage them in the middle of a lesson or in the middle of a unit where you want them to be able to visually see what you're talking about. Okay. And then the last one that I wasn't sure about was time to climb. So Time to Climb is a game, and they're racing to the top while they're learning, which is great for a lot of your students that need that. They're very into video games or very into challenges. Um, You create the content, and then as they go through it, their little climber is racing up a mountain as they're trying to solve the problems or answer the questions that you have put together for them. That would be really fun to kind of get that competitive spirit. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I love Nearpod. I think there's so many options to get students actually participating in the, the conversation, whether it be answering questions or doesn't Nearpod kind of have Padlet embedded in it as well? 
Yeah, it has a, it's called a collaborate board. And so it's very similar to Padlet where you can embed that into lessons and they just kind of post on the cork board. The nice thing about that is you actually, as the teacher, have to approve that post before it'll go up on the cork board for the whole class to see. So you can make sure that the message is appropriate or that it meets the content that you're looking for before it goes out for the rest of the class to read. Yeah, that's awesome because I've used Padlet before and I have had issues in the past where you know, you either have to get students to make an account so that their name appears on it, or you risk with everyone being anonymous, there being inappropriate comments, which has definitely happened in my past. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that yes. is a, a great feature. For sure. And it's nice because if you are a Google district, it signs them right in with Google. So their name appears on it, you know exactly who's saying it. Um, and it records it. So in your Nearpod, it will have that and keep that for you. Are there any other strategies that you can think of to engage students during a lesson? I would say one of the big ones that I can think of that's going to really play a big part in education this year and hopefully moving forward is um, us as teachers thinking outside that box. So getting to know our students and getting to know what their passions are and trying to figure out how can we tie those into our learning. So if we know we have students that don't test well, having them sing a song or write a rap or build something to show that they understand that learning in a different way, um, they still need to take the test because they still need that practice but we may be able to get them to show their learning in a different way as well so that they actually feel successful in understanding the content. One of my favorite stories is actually from a seventh grade middle school um, student that I taught, and he struggled with a test in social studies. I mean, we took this test like four times. We met after everyone, and he just couldn't, he just couldn't do it. He couldn't take the test. I knew he knew the content, but when it came to the test, he couldn't do it. So I finally, he loved to rap was something he did when we had brain breaks. So I had him write me a rap about the content and he, with flying colors, went through this rap and was able, I was able to give him points back because I could tell he knew what the content was. It just wasn't coming out when he was taking a test. So really kind of engaging our students in those ways to show their learning that way. Yeah, definitely. And there's a lot of online tools that would allow for some of those things too. Um, Oh, like Flipgrid or Seesaw. Those would be great ways to have students share that content. For sure, where they can record themselves and and then you can share it out with the rest of the class as well if the student's okay with that, which is always nice too. Another thing I found um, has been helpful, which I actually tried um, today. I've tried it a couple times, but today actually went really well, was the a breakout room. Yeah. So I had students pick what games that were related to the content we were doing over Egypt. And so they got to pick their game. And then I put them in a breakout room with people playing that game. Um, And when I went in to check on the groups, it was one of the first times or when I actually went to check on them, they were already having conversations. They were already talking to each other. So it was really great having breakout rooms was something that they were really excited to try uh, because they were having those conversations and asking each other questions. And so that was a really good experience. Yeah, that's great. Breakout rooms, I I definitely think are a great way to go right now, especially with, you know, them being available in in the Google Meet now and in Zoom, whatever platform teachers are using and, and giving students a smaller space to communicate. 
which just like in a classroom, when we put them in groups, we have some of those students that tend to talk more because they feel they're less intimidated. Mm -hmm. Um, So having a Google Meet breakout room where they can go in and chat is a great space to hopefully get a few more of them engaged in talking. But when you add a game in and get some competitive spirit in there, maybe it'll loosen them up even more. Yeah. Anything else that you can think of? I think a lot of it comes down to just reading your students and making sure that you're meeting their needs. So if it's, you know, okay, guys, it's time for us to get up and take a brain break. I want everybody to, you know, get up and do four jumping jacks or what's seven plus seven. Okay, do that many crunches or, you know, embedding physical activities or drawing activities or anything to kind of meet all of the levels of our students and the different ways that they learn in the middle of a lesson are going to be great ways to engage them throughout the lesson, not just meeting one specific direction of students. Um, And I would say another thing would be really providing that feedback during lessons. So making sure that we're constantly letting them know that we're there and we're present um, and we're hearing what they're saying, whether it's in a chat or in a discussion board um, or if they're actually turning their mics on and having a conversation with us. Yeah, I think that's a a really great point. And I think feedback is probably one of the the most important things that we as educators do for our students. Well, how about the end of a lesson? Because I know I've gotten this a couple times and it, you know, it hurts my heart a little bit whenever I see in the chat a student going, are we done? Can I leave now? (laughs) So um, usually at the end of a lesson in person, I would do like an exit slip or write on a post-it note something you learned. So what are ways um, at the end of a lesson we can still kind of keep that energy up? Um, Well, I definitely think kind of what you said about the exit slip is still a valid thing to do, creating it on Google Forms where they have to fill it out before they leave. Um, Show me what you know. What was your muddiest point? anything like that to get feedback from them so you know where to go from there at the end of the lesson. Um, Another fun activity could be having a couple of students every time have a specific song that they share out that's related to what you're learning. So we called them theme songs when I was in the classroom um, with my fifth graders, and they created different theme songs that went along with our unit, Um, whether they chose a character that they thought it related to or it was related to the book or the topic that we were studying. Um, so they got to go on to a program called Incredibox, which is a free program. It's like a beatbox program and create a theme song. So at the end of a session, they would get to share out their theme song for whoever they thought it was related to. So it kind of kept people sticking around because they wanted to hear what everybody came up with. Another thing that I heard today from a teacher was she does something called a they say, I say activity, which was put two columns with rows for every student and in one row is their name and what they say about the lesson and then on the other side she would answer them back so tell you know give them a question that they needed to answer about the lesson or what are your thoughts about this and then in her column she would answer them back so it was that direct immediate feedback for the lesson um, on both sides and really got students thinking about, you know, what they were focused on during the lesson, which is another great idea, I thought. Yeah, I definitely want to try that sometime. I think other ways to end the lessons, and like you said, not get students to be like, okay, well, I'm kind of done. Can we leave now? Is to have them be in charge of that to some degree and let them have a final 
whether it's five minutes at the end and do something like a wonder moment or something where they can just talk with each other and you're just present, but you are no longer front and center and they get to take over the learning. It'll take a few times, I think, to get students comfortable with it. But once they are, I could see it being really beneficial for students to really open up and talk to each other because we know they're not getting that right now, at least not to the degree they would sitting next to each other in class. So giving them that last five minutes of the class session to just talk. So the last thing I was thinking about is so many students don't actually come to meetings unless they're mandatory. So I know our district has an asynchronous learning environment for them that has all of our curriculum. So I want to take a few minutes, too, to kind of brainstorm how we can use that situation and still get students engaged, still get students eager to learn and excited to learn, because it can be kind of repetitive when you have the same thing over and over again. I know ours is set up like a reading with videos um, and then a quiz after that to check your understanding. Yeah, and that's really hard when they either don't want to come, don't have to come. Um, Even if they're there, they're not fully engaged. So really kind of pulling in for that asynchronous offline learning when they're not live with you. Um, I think some great things are things that we've already talked about using Flipgrid where they can still show their face and their voice to other students, but it's not live in the moment. So they have time to think and process through all of their thoughts and have things available on the screen to show um, is a great way to do things creating something, whether it's a Nearpod doing that student-paced process that Nearpod offers where they can still complete a lesson, you can still see the things coming in and keeping them engaged and changing it up that way. Group notes or graphic organizers where you four are part of a group, you're not necessarily all have to be on a call together, but this is your slide deck, so you all need to make sure that you are participating in it putting on your notes, use the comments feature to add feedback to each other can be a positive thing as well because, again, going back to the the issue that we know is very prevalent with students not having cameras turned on or not being able to for whatever home situation is. So that's a great way to get them up and going, again, with that asynchronous learning space too, is building in some of those group pieces that don't require a live group session. And one of the things that you had written as well was giving students choice. Uh Um, And I know that's been a a huge one for me, just like letting students pick specific activities that they're interested in doing, because I have some kids that love writing. And so if you give them a reflection activity, they will put so much time and effort into that. But other students, you know, having them write is such, such a chore. So having other options for those students to do as well, I think, would be really helpful for those students or doing something like you said with the Flipgrid. Absolutely. I agree. I mean, I'm a mom of four and each one of my kids is very different in that sense. So having choice and interest really gives your students the ability to shine when you're at the end of a lesson or you're asynchronously trying to get work and get engagement um, pieces from your students. So those choice boards really come in handy. Plus, it also helps you meet 
all of those learners from the ones that are very creative and artistic to the ones that are writers to your active students where even if it's a choice of like make a video of yourself reenacting the Boston Massacre or whatever they need to do, um, they're being kinesthetic learners. And so they're able to get up and do it and record themselves and have fun and learn at the same time. So I think those choice words really bring out some engagement that is all independent on themselves. Um, And then the last episode I did was about educational games and how you can design your own educational games. So I think that would be a really good option as well, whether it be for practice or I know a lot of games you're able to integrate actually having students learn the material through the game. I think those would be really good options too to, you know, offer a little bit more um, incentive and and, um, energy into their learning. Absolutely, yes. Games are a great way. Most teachers need to recognize that is what our students are doing when they leave our school, whether it's a brick and mortar or the school hours on the computer. They're going to play games, whether it's on a phone, on a tablet, on a computer. Most of our students, depending on their age, are very into games. So if we can have them create their own game, um, whether it's a Kahoot or a Quizlet or something like that, to get them engaged and use their own wording and language, I think that's very helpful, like you said, to, to keep them engaged. And I think what has surprised me most from this whole online experience is how much offering non-educational opportunities, such as we had our, we allowed our kids to get on a meeting and play um, Among Us. And it's just been so surprising how opportunities like that where we're not focusing on the curriculum has really enabled them to open up with each other, get to know each other better. And like, I see that in our meetings, I see a difference since we've been doing that where students are more willing to talk with each other and share their ideas. I never realized what a valuable role just offering social opportunities to students plays, especially in an online um, environment. Absolutely. And I think play is a, is a crucial in education. And we kind of forget that as they get into older grades. It's something that happens in the lower pre-K, first, kinder, first, second, um, a lot of play in experimenting. And we kind of forget that as they get older until you give them something like this where you're like, oh, my gosh, it really it, it, it's something they still need. They're still kids. Um, yes, most of them are taller than me and that's OK, but I still need to give them those chances to play and experiment and try and communicate and collaborate with each other in in ways that are not necessarily educational focused. But if we can have a whole conversation about, you know, the Marvel stories and the progression of Iron Man or whatever and how that relates to the progression in Anne Frank making those connections from something that they're all really comfortable with to something that they might not be comfortable with really helps bring out that understanding and they can help lead you in some of that where you're not comfortable with it. And then you can turn around and help guide through the pieces that you're comfortable with, make those connections back and forth. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you can think of that we haven't discussed already when it comes to engaging students? I would just say be comfortable with the uncomfortable as we are still navigating this new educational journey. And hopefully as everybody gets moving through all of these pieces, um, this is not a one and done and these pieces become part of your everyday teaching, not just past 2020. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for um, sharing your experiences. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you all so much. I cannot believe that that's it for season one. I'm going to take a little bit of a break and start preparing for season two. So if there's anything that you want to learn more about when it comes to teaching with technology, please email me at the number two teachwithtech at gmail.com. You can also reach me on social media, either Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and now we're on YouTube, all at the number two teachwithtech. Please, please make sure to tell your friends and your colleagues that you are loving this podcast. And if you feel moved, I would really appreciate a review so that we can keep getting the word out and start gaining some new listeners. Season two is going to air on Monday, March 1st. So until then, I really loved Tracy's quote that she mentioned earlier in the podcast, get comfortable with the uncomfortable. I wish everyone the best over this break, and I hope we can chat soon.